You're listening to the Driven by Design Awards Wrap, Episode 9. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and today we're joined by Trevor Neroy. Trevor. Hi, everyone. Trevor, you're the Director of Language and Digital Services at the Department of Immigration and Border Protection. I certainly am. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) Well, I am in charge of TIS National, which is the Translating and Interpreting Services. So help me out there. What's the difference between translating and interpreting? Well, translating is basically written word and interpreting is spoken word. Um, And obviously, um, you know, being the interface uh, between two languages. So for us, uh, we provide about 160 languages, services in 160 languages. No, fantastic. Now, you've got a particular project that you've done over the last couple of years, which is called TIS Online. Yep. TIS Online has possibly the highest score that I've ever seen in the amount of transformation that's ever happened in a project. 4,032 is the number that comes to mind. Yes, it is. So we're going to talk there a bit of how do you speed up a government service by 4,032 times. Now, listeners, that's actually about a service that used to have a acceptable delivery time frame of 28 days, mm-hmm. and now that happens in under 10 minutes. That's almost instantaneous. It is. It is. It is an amazing transition. Um, but to very quickly put it in context, uh, this is about our on-site services. So imagine an interpreter having to go assist a GP. Um, in a medical centre with a client. Who so for speak people English. who aren't in Australia, a GP would be a doctor, a general a practitioner. Doctor, is a that general practitioner, practitioner okay. yes, yep. yes. In the past, you'd, you'd have to, the, the general practitioner or the doctor would have to make a request and that request took 28 days to process. So if I've got something wrong with me and it takes 28 days, I could be dead or lose a limb. Hopefully not, hopefully not. But well, no, but, but that's the reality of that's it. That's the reality, yes. Speeding up medical care. Yep is such an important thing for clinical outcomes. Yes. And although when you go to the when you go to a doctor's clinic it's not like you're in an emergency circumstance. I'm sure there's elevated ways that they do that. Sure. But just general health, anybody who's had a sore for 28 days, it's in a hell of a lot of trouble. Yep. Getting a little bit of cream on it in day one or day two mm. is going to make the world a difference. So and, and, and that's why I guess um, you know our access and equity policy drove, if you like, the need to find a solution that provided these services so, a lot quicker. So I want to go back there and unpack that access and equity policy. Yep. So does that mean that the government is saying it doesn't matter what your language capacity is? what your physical capacity is or your socioeconomic capacity, you should have the same right to services in a timely manner as anyone else. Is that kind of it? Pretty much. Wow, that was a hard one to get through. (laughs) I I feel like I've had to go up this massive ladder. So so the government's trying to work out how to go make services which have a universal franchise. Mm -hmm. They're timely. Mm -hmm. They're graceful. Mm -hmm. And then they got you in to go do that. And particularly if, when we talk about access and equity in a multicultural context, um, there are many, many nuances around you know, cultural settings and ability to actually access services. So this was about saying, if you don't speak English, it shouldn't matter. You should be able to get the same service from a doctor just as anybody else in Australia. Now, Trevor, I can tell just by looking at you that you're not a designer. You, you're not wearing a T-shirt and, <laughs> and sneakers here. You actually have a fantastic suit and tie on. How does somebody who's not a designer turn around and get that vision about access and equity, creating better customer service, how do you bring that to life? I I think it it comes from years, um, both in the private and public sector, 
um, and looking at technology-enabled solutions and really bringing a mindset of saying, how do you actually find a solution that's going to improve the lives um, of my customers? Um, but it's also about knowing what I don't know. I know I'm not a designer, but I know I want an outcome. So it was about surrounding myself with the right sponsorship within the department, finding a technology vendor partner who was going to be able to do some co-design and help us get there, but also finding and, and having a team, uh, my own um, departmental team, who came along for the ride because they were so excited by the opportunity this presented that we were able to actually find talent internally and then you know leverage that into designing and driving our project. Okay, so you were able to work out how to go um, untap um, some uh, some skills that were inside the organization. Yep. You probably had to augment uh, some uh, design culture and some design process skills into people, but then you were able to actually say with the right business partners, we should be able to go and actually deliver this project. Spot on. So tell me a little bit now about how you'd say that design culture works inside inside the department compared to when you started five years ago? Well, I think there's, is, you know, with things like Digital 2020. Digital 2020, is that an eye chart that I'm meant to get a score <laughs> on or is that a policy? Well, Digital 2020 is a strategy that actually talks about providing digital first services. Um, and it's really was the driving force, if you like, in fact, in terms of our thinking around how we would actually structure and what we would deliver. So going back to your earlier question about culture, it was really about creating a proof of concept to say that there is a need, uh, we really need to drive um, to be able to find a better service, if you like, ethos for our customers, but to also remove ourselves out of the way. I mean, really, if you think about it, providing a service over 28 days is really clearly not efficient. So it was simply about saying, okay, how do we design this so we don't still end up behind the eight ball? It was about finding a solution that was going to take us really in quantum leaps forward. And, and there's another thing I really like about your project here was you weren't trying to grandstand that you were the be-all and end-all answer for government transformation. You just got on and did the project and delivered the goods. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that in big corporates mm -hmm. and, and throughout governments around the world, mm -hmm. that they seem to want to actually have somebody who's their knight in shining armour with a team of you know fellow courageous people behind them that are going to solve it. Mm -hmm. And we know that it actually comes down to just a whole range of people using good design methodologies, mm -hmm. using great partners, and also building up that cultural base internally and just getting on with the business that seems to deliver the goods. The way I summarise it is great organisational will, find the organisational capability and just get it done. We're going to get into our wrap uh, now, the nine projects that we're going to go look at. But you were telling me a story before which had to go do with a philosophy that you've got around flying a Cessna and then getting a bigger plane and getting a bigger plane and a bigger plane. And I, I love this because this is going to, I'm going to try and thread this story all the way through our journey here. So tell me your story about how do you get these projects off the ground? Well, I think I use an analogy of if you've got a short runway and you need to get people on board, then build a small plane. So build a Cessna, take off, let everybody see that it can fly and land. And then success breeds many Fathers, mothers, well, you're going to need a bigger plane, aren't you, to fit more people <laughs> on because they all want to go for the ride. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's sort of doing an iterative take on proving the concept and actually once we succeed, building it bigger and better. So we did that with going through an inform, interact, transact phase and we're able to actually deliver this big win. Okay, so we've now got this model where you've actually helped start something, 
get a tribe behind it, get momentum behind it. Yep. And then after a while, people said, can you accelerate and how do you keep going? Absolutely. So for us, that, that was the jumbo, you know, so we, we actually extended the runway and we built a bigger plane and um, we went from a small proof of concept to this really big bang delivery. We're going to go into our first project now for this wrap, <laughs> which actually has jumbos in it. It's uh, it's the Qantas rebrand. Um, I'd imagine you fly a bit of Qantas. I do, and a couple of other airlines, but mostly Qantas. And I'm sure when you don't have the pleasure of the minister, you're flying one of those very cheap airlines. <laughs> um, but you don't have to talk about that. But uh, the no Qantas, comment. no comment. There you go. Perfect government employee. Um, the Qantas rebrand here is a really interesting project because there would have been so much expectation internally inside Qantas that they were going to change the world through a new logo. You can just feel that anxiety and that would have been there. What I think they've done is a really nice refresh where they've brought a contemporary version of their branding up next to the contemporary version of their service. Mm -hmm. And as we know, those moments of truth aren't about the logo on the tray or the logo on your ticket. They're symbols that actually remind you who you're traveling with, mm -hmm. but it's the moment of truth of what is a travel service like. And, and I know that in a previous role that you had where you were working in banking, there's a bounce idea. If you change too much with a brand, that mm. then the customers lose a little bit of trust and mm. confidence. Absolutely. Familiarity is important, but also as we evolved, we needed to, and if you're mentioning, um, I'm talking about ANZ and the internet banking project, where we had to virtually change the platform without our customers feeling the difference and uh, I, I draw analogies again to you know having to change the engine on a plane while it's in flight with other passengers noticing. Hang on. Well, well, well don't, don't, don't talk about any mechanics and planes. A lot of people are nervous already. So let's oh, right. No, no, I didn't say that. No, okay. So, so then getting back to the Qantas project here, in a world which is full of flat graphics, mm -hmm. they've been able to bring these nice contour dimensions mm -hmm. to very flat graphics here. It's beautiful, it's graceful, it feels like a modern airline, mm -hmm. and, and it's lighter. And I think that's an important expression when you're in the air. Yeah, for me, it's like the spirit of Australia comes alive. They've, they've really, you know, made it pop off the page. And when you go look at the team that's behind this, you start to go see there's some pretty heavyweight people that are involved in here. I think actually if you got all the people that were actually involved with this project in the team and you put them around a boardroom, you're probably looking at probably $100,000 an hour is kind of their billing rate there. That's, so this was a heavyweight project with lots of people. I know the team at Houston who went and did it, that they had to be very, very careful that yeah. it didn't leak out. Mm -hmm. um, there's a nice video in there that talks about the Revere. You can see they've got the plane in a special hangar. Yeah. This would have been very secret scroll mm -hmm. across the entire organization. It popped, it didn't shock people. A beautiful executed project by Qantas and their partners there at Houston. Now, um, we're now going across to another reshaping project here, but this has to go do with housing staff, and, mm -hmm. uh, and it's the Enero uh, Group, and they've got a series of marketing companies that they've cobbled together over the years, and mm -hmm. they've worked out that they're, they're, um, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, mm -hmm. and that they've said, well, let's make sure that we're all in the same common place. And I'd imagine you've had some rehousing and refactoring of floor plans in your office as oh, well. Absolutely, Trevor. as we've grown and we've had to, you know, this uh, is a vertically integrated business, we've had to actually house everybody in the same space so that there's a clear sense of mission and vision, uh, but also, um, you know, being able to belong, if you like, in the one 
space. So I, I can see similarities here. This is a beautiful, beautiful execution. Yeah, and, and what they've also been able to go do is make sure that by having these different spaces that are in there, the, the bold collective have put together for them, that they manage to go get some some different places to work there's also the identity that there's these different organizations mm-hmm. they haven't become the monolithic brand which we which we used to go see mm-hmm. a beautiful space here done by the bold collective and the nero group i think next time i'm in sydney i'm going to see if i can actually work there from a day i, I think might have to be join nice. you well look let's see if we can both do it <laughs> why don't we see if we can fly up on Qantas uh, and we'll go see if we, if we can do that but that then brings us to another project which is in Sydney here, which is the Bower project by uh, Costa Fox. Costa Fox are property developers mm-hmm. and they've got to work out how do they go sell these properties in a market where there's already thousands and thousands of apartments to go buy. I think it's a beautiful project here. It gives me a couple of things that I look at. It's about modernity and it's also serene. The serenity that I get when I look at this project is great. They've leveraged the Australian coastal um, aspect to it. It's a beautiful, beautiful project here. Do you think you're going to buy one of these apartments? Oh, aspirational for sure, but really, really well done. It just looks beautiful and luxurious. I'd imagine five years on a public servant salary, there's no chance you'd be buying one of these apartments unless you work for the tax department. Oh, oh sorry, that, that was a low blow there. I shouldn't do that. No, no that's Come unfortunate there. So let's keep moving on here and, uh, and we'll have a look at our next project, which is also in New South Wales, but this is actually in the Government Design Awards. It's the New South Wales State Emergency Service Next Generation Digital Platform. It's going to win, win an award for one of the longest project titles in <laughs> known history. Again, you've got a great project here, but I think you know the people who are involved as their creative partners, the Adelphi Digital Consulting Group. Yeah, Adelphi have been a great partner for us on the Tease Online project, and uh, we know them well, but Ian and the team are brilliant. Now, hang on, we can't do too many direct shout-outs to them. I'm sure they know who they are there. <laughs> but, um, uh, but the team at Adelphi, um, they've been a good partner with you. They've obviously been a great partner here at New South Wales um, State Emergency Service. You know, one of the big issues that you have with an emergency service services, you need to make sure that you've helped people get prepared. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure you're responding when there's an emergency on, because there's a moment of truth there. People are panicking and they need information and they need concise information. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the immediate follow-up. It might be that my dog's lost, it might be my child's lost, it may be that we actually need rehousing. There are so many different ways that that immediate information is necessary. Over the last couple of years, I've realised I've, um, as I've been travelling around for Driven by Design, I've had an ice hurricane, I've had a cyclone, a typhoon, and I've had two blizzards that have shut down uh, train networks. You might want to tell me a future itinerary. I'll avoid those places. <laughs> I will. I know. It, it seems like I might be bringing some bad weather. But in all of those places, what they had was a 24-hour to 72-hour disruption. Mm-hmm. And then there was that aftermath, the clean-up, the immediate yeah. response that's in there. Getting that information architecture right, making sure that the site's adaptive, that's a really important thing. I think the team at Delphi here have done a great project uh, for New South Wales State Emergency Service. That then brings us to another project here that has to go do with information, which Mm -hmm. is the Scrum Hub, the future of AI-tailored marketing. Wow. Now, what I like about this project is that the team behind it, they're digital natives through and through. 
And they used to be part of the We Are Social team. They know how to go build digital products, but they also understand overload. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's been involved with social marketing knows that there's a dashboard telling you that there's some other raw number that you have to interpret. Mm -hmm. And having a dashboard where there's a dial that tells you something's up to four is useless. What you need to know is when has it changed? When has it gone up? When has it gone down? What's normal behavior? What's abnormal behavior? Mm -hmm. And I know when I go look at the driven by design analytics that we get through things, too much information, you must have the same thing here. Lots of indicators. It's hard to know which one to go choose. Absolutely. And we're dealing with different channels, different languages, demands. Um, it would be great to have something like this to be able to actually use. Yeah, and look, I think they're the team um, at Scrubhub have done a great job in introducing that maybe learning machines, artificial intelligence, can help build that process there. Market-leading position, I think it's fantastic to see what they've done. We've kind of been a little bit in information overload here. Mm -hmm. We've had emergency services. We've been talking about the immediate aftermath of a mm -hmm. disaster. We've been talking about dashboards give us too much information let's relax, relax and settle down a little yeah, bit yeah agree so let's go into the lazy sue here interior design hospitality it's a project that's been uh, done by lazy sue and brandworks oh i'm just feeling nice thinking that i'm sitting down in a nice uh, <laughs> 80s and 90s pop asian pop culture cafe looks cool looks really clean and crisp yeah now trevor i've got to share a little something with you uh-huh i'm worried yeah, in the 90s, I was, um, I was involved with Asian pop culture. I used to make music video clips for Japanese boy bands. What? I know. It's all coming out now, Mark. Uh, it is. It's uh, interesting the different <laughs> phases that we have in our careers. But um, uh, so uh, when I saw this, I thought, I wonder if I can get them to play a little bit of Mr. Children, <laughs> see if they can get me tomorrow never knows uh... on and settle into it. But, but one of the things that came up was you were telling me that this is in um, Braddon in, uh, in Canberra, Canberra yeah. Yeah. which is right next to the Adelphi office. Look, I hate no more shout outs, you said, but I'm going, that's where we're going next. I think we either need to get on the phone to the Adelphi guys and ask them what it's like. Yep. Or next time that we're in Canberra, one of us has to go there. Obviously, we'd be paying our own way. Of we course. couldn't be asking another to pay. But I think we need to go find out what the Lazy Sue's about. She looks fantastic. I'm feeling a bit relaxed. Actually, I'm feeling so relaxed. Our next project is all about road tripper campers. Nice. Have you been on a, on a caravan holiday? I've been actually in the US, but yeah, this looks pretty cool. Well, you know, caravans aren't caravans. You know, I used to always think that caravans were about geriatrics or age people who were, who were out on the trip of a lifetime mm -hmm. or, or people that were from scout groups who wanted to go on a holiday. So I <laughs> oh, look at this. I think this is so modern. It kind of feels like a luxury boat, but it's actually on the, a trailer on the back of a car. The marketing project that's been done here by the team at Side Door is fresh. Everything about this says modern, relevant, let's get on the road. Can't wait to go. <laughs> that's the problem. Oh, look, there was a pregnant pause there. No, I was looking at the actual artwork. And oh, I was okay. like, I'm going, you know, it just took me away already. All right, so so we're doing well here. We've, um, uh, we're on the right airline. Mm -hmm. uh, we're feeling quite modern about that. We're in some nice offices. Mm -hmm. uh, we've found an apartment to go live in in Sydney. That is amazing. We know that the business is running well because we've got the best dashboard that we can have. We've decided that we should go on a bit of a holiday. Mm -hmm. uh, 
well, actually, we forgot that we had to go to the Lazy Sioux. So we went to the Lazy Sioux, <laughs> which was why we needed a caravan to go planned. visit it. Okay, Absolutely. So, so that's why we had to go do that. Now, <laughs> while we've been sitting on holidays in our in our Lazy Sioux caravan. Who's paying for all this stuff? I, look, it's a wonderful digital future we live in now. <laughs> Um, I, I, I've got no idea, but just come on the journey with me. <laughs> so here we are, and we've decided that we need to look at our finances. And we had to reach out, and we're in our caravan in Braddon, in Canberra. <laughs> and uh, we decided that we wanted to go find a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And uh, we happened to come across these people who had a digital first strategy, mm -hmm. and they were from Axton Finance. Cool. This is awesome. I love when I see professional service firms who package up their business in a digital-first manner. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic to go have a nice boardroom and a nice meeting room, but the reality is your clients are going to find you through a mobile device before they're going to walk through your front door. Spot on. I think this is great. They've been really, really fortunate to have the team at Evolution 7 help them out. I just think that every site I see from Evolution 7, it feels like a symphony where every part of it is in tune. Beautiful work that they're doing. So we've been on that whole journey, mm -hmm. and now we have to work out how do we look cool. Uh -huh. I might need a bit of a hand with that. You're sitting here in a suit and a tie and some awesome shoes, <laughs> but the team at New Balance, they want to see you in some different shoes. Here's a project that's been done uh, by the Greater Group uh, for New, ba New Balance, but this isn't just a one-off store that they've made. It's in Rapongi in Tokyo. I won't go back to the Tokyo boy band okay. stuff, okay? Yeah, yeah. But it's the New Balance Rapongi Tokyo lifestyle store of the future. I think that might eclipse the New South Wales um, emergency services in the length <laughs> of the title. But this store here, it actually feels more like I've gone into some sci-fi um, retail experience. I'd expect um, uh, you know somebody out of a sci-fi movie to come and serve me. Yeah, it's awesome. It looks like a New Balance modern art museum piece. It's really cool. It is cool. It's in Rapongi. It looks gorgeous. And the greater group, as I'd said, that they've rolled out seventy-five of these stores wow. around the world. And that's a really interesting challenge. How do you take like the Lego bricks of this store mm -hmm. and work out how to apply them in all, the, all those different locations? But retail is no longer about sitting down, getting your, your feet measured and walking. It's an experience space. It's awesome. I must say, I'm madly in love with this project. It's just so refreshing to look at something like this in such a different light. Well, well done, guys. So, Trevor, not only have we now built a new lifestyle for us, but we've um, also got some decent shoes to wear. So, <laughs> so there is redemption for both of us. Yeah? But we've been through our nine projects. We've done the wrap. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. I've got a little bit of business I've now got to go do. I've got to remind people of some deadlines because without people getting to those deadlines, we don't have projects in the awards. True. Without them in the awards, we can't recognise them and therefore mm -hmm. we can't celebrate that excellence and courage that's in each one of the projects. So if you're involved in design in Melbourne, the government sector or Sydney, you've got deadlines, look at the website, look at the links that are associated with the podcast here. You have to do something now or you're going to miss out on this year's cycle. But I also need to thank the people who help us. Without their support, we don't have a Driven by Design. And so that's people like Qantas, Houston, The Bold Collective, Tomorrow, Brandworks, Evolution 7 and The Greater Group. But also, you listeners, without you listening, there's no community and there's no discussion and dialogue. Trevor, I always end off by saying everyone should be driven by design. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And this week, I hope that you can be even more driven by design than you normally are. I will try. Thank you.